we have to descend. We can only ascend <laughs> as far as we have descended. That is where we find this deep trust. You know, I feel in the darkest places is where I've touched God or the divine, whatever name you give that, the deepest, really. Because all darkness, everything, darkness and the light, it's all an aspect of the divine. And feeling our humanity, that fully feeling that hugely as painful as it can be, that is a gift of our beingness, of our existence. That is God speaking to us in some way. Hi, everyone. I'm Natalia Ochoa, and I was so inspired to create this podcast because I want to share a piece of wisdom that I'm integrating into my life currently. We all have the ability to create our own reality in which we can heal ourselves. Hopefully, through the conversations I'm passionately sharing, you'll discover the power of your own intuition. Hello, everyone. I am beyond passionate and honored to bring on today's guest. I am so just excited to talk about this topic because it's a topic that I love to talk about and it's masculine and feminine energy and the embodiment of it. And because I love it so much, I was working with a mentor. Her name is Nina Lombardo. And after reading David Data's books, the Way of a Superior Man and Dear Lover, which are fantastic books. I read them and I never felt more understood as a woman. Went on his website and I was like, I need to learn how to embody this because I think it's so beautiful. And I was like, I know how sensitive and powerful I am deep down with this inner knowing that I have. And, and like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I really didn't like being a woman at all. Like I just didn't find the, the flavor of it. I just, I didn't I didn't connect with myself as a woman and with my feminine aspect. I was really good at just my masculine, just go, go, go charging situation. But I realized that I wanted to be softer. I wanted to explore that softness inside of me. So I've been working with Nina and it has been a truly transformational time. She is an incredible, incredible mentor. And I have learned so much specifically because I was always really afraid of truly showing my vulnerable side and um and how to be in love and relationship and all of these things because of like the qualms that we learn from society and what is really enticing about her is that she brings a very fresh and new perspective on how to look at ourselves in this way so a little bit about nina Nina Lombardo is a teacher, mentor, and artist who supports women in embodying their most authentic spiritual and sexual expressions. Through workshops, retreats, and private mentoring, she provides women with somatic-based tools to embody their love and deepen their capacity for intimacy and connection so they can create the lives and relationships they yearn for. I know that that is what she did for me. And my body is so open and so loving now because of the work that we've done together. Because I do think that there is a, a big disbalance between understanding the true power of feminine and masculine energy and how it relates to us. And I think that there have been so many things that, you know, that society has put on about dating that have totally been shattered with the work that I've done with her, you know, because the most important thing in our lives are relationships. And if you really learn how to master and hone in on them, then you can have a, a successful relationships and, and you can feel just free in, in loving and being love. So that's what I'm really excited about. Hi, Nina. Hi, Natalia. How are you? Hmm. 
I'm going to throw all, a lot of emotion into the word good, <laughs> the full spectrum of emotion. I'm just so happy that you took the time to really feel into what you were feeling because I was just mentioning how when we first started working together, you would be like, Natalia, how are you? And I would just like look up into my brain and I'd be like, I'm, I think I'm doing really well today. Thank you very much. <laughs> And how so much of what we did and, and the work that we did was about really dropping into and, and being able to really explore our emotions and being, being able to vocalize them and express them as they're coming organically. And I still do it. Um, you know, I analyze my feelings and then I'll, I want to talk about it afterwards, but it's a practice that I'm still deepening within myself. How, how was that journey for you into starting to explore that within yourself um, into maybe you've never had this problem of Anna. Like, have you always been good at just expressing your emotions? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. I think a lot of us can relate. You know, I, my upbringing, no fault of my parents, you know, we're all just doing our best, but my emotionality wasn't very welcome. So at a young age, I learned how to um, hide it, hide it to protect my tender little heart. I always was very in touch with my emotions and I always felt I had a very vast emotional world on the inside, but showing that to others um, at a young age, I learned wasn't always safe. So I developed patterns to keep all of that inside. And, you know, my outlet always has been music. I started playing uh, piano at a young age, at the age of four. And that was always the place I felt safest to express my emotions through my creativity, through my creative expression. So that was my outlet as a child. And then I really um, harnessed that and discovered that when I was a teenager, when I went to college and I started picking up instruments and, and songwriting. And that's where a lot of my emotions were poured into and where I learned how to take all of this big stuff I was feeling inside and have an outlet for that, for that. And that was really, really, really important for me and my healing. And then from there, I started learning more skill, how to express my emotion interpersonally with others and in relationship was, which was a whole nother ball game and was a lot more difficult. <laughs> it's, you know, cause the, relational wounds that I developed as a child in terms of expressing my emotions and being seen with them, those had to be healed in relationship. And I had to learn how to open my heart and express myself in relationship. And that's been an ongoing process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I completely relate to that because for I had I have something really similar that for me, it's it was with acting. I felt very similar at a young age. I didn't feel like I could fully express myself or you know, because the, my parents didn't know how to even do it for themselves. So of course, how can they possibly pass it along to a child? And, um, and yeah, and for me, it was acting because I was constantly emoting um, and I was releasing and with all of the exercises that we did. And I, and I, I have come up with the fact, especially with working with you of, of understanding when someone, or when I even ask, like, how am I, or how am I feeling that I didn't, I didn't know how to even start thinking about it, you know? And I think that a lot of people, I think a lot of people deal with that. I think, you know, a lot of people don't really understand what it feels like to express what they're feeling in the moment presently. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And that's because a lot of people have a hard time actually feeling 
what is present for them in the moment because they've shut down a lot of that feeling. Like I mentioned, you know, these childhood wounds, we have a lot of people just numb themselves as a protective mechanism. So they're not even touch in touch with their emotions. So before we can even begin the process of expressing our emotions freely, we have to first feel them. And that is a big journey. I don't say that lightly because to feel years of accumulated emotions that we've been numbing ourselves to or suppressing can be very, very intense. And that unearths a lot <laughs> in that process. And that's often the, the beginning of a spiritual journey for many people when they unlock those gates and start feeling everything that they haven't given themselves full permission to feel. Mm, yeah, I I love I love that you said that because I and there's a lot of people that they're also afraid. They're just they they say, oh, I'm so sensitive. I feel so much, and they see it as a crutch. They see, and, and I know I did for myself as well. Uh, see it as something that is really bad, and that it takes up my time, and it's so draining, and you know all of these things, and it takes some time to really start reframing ourselves to think that it's it's part of the process to releasing and to being able to live um, open more more open. I think in to add to what you were just saying, to, in order to feel all of that emotion and not turn into a total puddle or like to feel like it's too much because it can be overwhelming to unlock that and it can be very scary. You know, we have to have support in some way. I really think it's important whether that support is from another human like a therapist or a friend or from the earth or from our own breath and spine and practice in some way we need to feel held so that all of those emotions feel safe to be felt fully yeah and i know that for me nina was huge in that she there were there were sessions where i would just be crying and she would hold space for me and i didn't even know how to I, I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed for a feeling. I felt embarrassed for emoting. Sometimes I still do. Um, and I, and I feel like that, that uh, I felt like that puddle and, and it felt weak and, and everything, but that's why I encourage everyone to either work with someone that can be able to fully take you through that. Um, going back to like what you had said, I, I love that you talk about how opening your emotions is part of a spiritual awakening. And um, I want to I hear from you, what was your spiritual awakening like? <laughs> very, very painful. <laughs> very painful and very intense. And, you know, I don't even know where to begin. You know, I think it really started with a healing crisis, a deep healing crisis. It really began when I left home as a teenager and went to go live on my own and then was confronted with the reality of having to be an adult and take care of myself, really. And I'll, I'll preface by saying that as a teenager, I was very rebellious, very selfish in many ways. And I, you know, did a bunch of drugs. I had a lot of sex. I was looking for a way out. I was looking for an escape. And the community, the place that I lived, culture and the family and the paradigm that I was born into didn't support the deep internal processes that I was experiencing. I didn't have a framework for them. And so I rebelled. I tried anything to break free from this paradigm that was handed to me because I knew that it wasn't right. But I didn't know what was on the other side. And that was my rebellious phase of just like, I know that this doesn't work. I know this, this paradigm of living, this culture, this over culture that I was born into it does not nourish my soul, but I don't know what else there is. So 
I'm just going to numb out. (laughs) I'm just going to numb out and I'm just going to rebel. So that was like my wild rebellious phase. And then when I left home and I went to college, which I think for a lot of people, you know, going to college and and being introduced to new ways of thinking and new professors who had insights and guidance to offer, you know, and I studied philosophy. So I was introduced (laughs) to a lot of new different ways of perceiving the world. And that's when I started getting into spirituality and dreams and lucid dreaming and yoga and all of these things really um, started nourishing my life. And I started discovering that there's so many ways of being in the world that are in alignment with my truth and and what I felt. And and, and there's a lot of intensity that happened in there. I went through a huge depression, very, very, very low period of life, you know, just at that time being bombarded with all this new information and just wondering my place in it all. Around the same time, I, I, I fell in love and I had a boyfriend and and very soon after we started dating, he was diagnosed with leukemia. So here I was, this very rebellious, selfish teenager, did not give a fuck about anybody. And all of a sudden I was confronted with this relationship that beckoned me to really be there for somebody and ponder the nature of, of death and the purpose of living. And so that really woke me up in a deeper way that that experience and it also woke me up to the horrors of the allopathic medical system and how you know this this boy this young man that i was with his soul was very crushed in the process of going through chemo and radiation and a bone marrow transplant his soul was sucked out of him there was no nourishment in that process there was no healing true healing in that process for him and i just you know i I knew there had to be another way to heal you know that what that and, and granted those medicines did heal his physical body but they crushed his soul that process is what propelled me into my interest in the healing arts and alternative um and holistic ways of healing not just the body but the entire being because I I realized that you can't just heal the body. We're holistic beings. We have multiple layers to us and they all need to be tended to together. So, and at the same time, learning about these new modalities of healing, I got really into herbalism. I ended up going to massage school and, um, and going to South America and learning indigenous healing modalities. And all of these really woke me up to this rich world of healing and healing myself first and foremost and healing my wounds and really discovering the fragmentation that was within me and how to make that whole again. Gosh, there's so much to go into, but I think that is a a nice little glimpse of my early 20s. And then from there, I just, I just dove in. I dove in completely to healing and intimacy and connection and dance and movement and women's empowerment and travel and, you know, polyamory. And I just tried absolutely everything you could ever imagine to to break out of the mold that I was given and to discover my truth and and who I am and what makes my life what makes me feel alive and I'd say that was the bulk of my 20s was discovering that and 
I'm grateful to be in a place that's beyond that healing process now because I was very much invested in it. And now I feel um, that my life isn't so oriented around healing, but because of that journey I went through and this deep descent and rise, I feel capable of helping others through that process. Which there's, I mean, there's just so much to what you said, but first of all, just explaining and understanding that the healing journey, like it's, it might be painful in the beginning or through a period of time, but then there is another side to it. There is like, so when people are confronted with this deep fear of really challenging themselves to go to those deep, deepest parts where they're so afraid to unlock all of these emotions and traumas and situations that it's, it's worth going through that extraction phase to then be on the other side because there, because it, it's not like you're going to do it forever. And w- w- with everything that you were saying, I always say it's not Western or Eastern. It's not spiritual or, you know, medical. It's both. It's a, it's, 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 and, you know, it's both. And, and that's the mentality that we have to really adapt to because it's, it's not one or the other that we really just, like you mentioned, just combine everything to hit all of the marks, the spiritual, energetic body and, uh, and the physical body as well and, and the mind and, and everything. Thank you so much for sharing that so vulnerably. That's a really beautiful story. And you're so bold and, and courageous for, for stepping into that. that that's very big. Well, it, it, it dragged me into it. I didn't have much of a choice. It's so important to offer that glimpse of hope to people who are in those pits of darkness because you know saint john of the cross has a poem the dark night of the soul and that is a process that we must go through to sit in just the utter darkness of our being and to confront all those very uncomfortable places painful places it's a necessary step so that we can bring them into the light we have to descend we can only ascend (laughs) as far as we have descended so to get all that gunk and feel what's in there and and embrace it all and feel it all and that means we're ready to start climbing back up the ladder and it's like the um the lotus and the in the muck so I practice my shear in Buddhism, blooms and seeds in, in the mud. So the, the, the biggest beauty erupts from mud and from just murkiness. And it, that's just the beauty of life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it's hard to know that when you're in the thick of it. But that is, right? But that is where we find this deep trust. You know, I feel in the darkest places is where I've touched God or the divine whatever name you give that the deepest really because all darkness everything darkness and the light it's all an aspect of the divine and feeling our humanity that fully feeling that hugely as painful as it can be that is that is a gift of our beingness of our existence that is god speaking to us in some way you know and what would you say to someone that's really struggling right now with understanding that and taking that first step that they're deeply afraid. I I talk to many people that are in this process. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people that, um, are deeply afraid to start this work and just, they aren't even aware that there's something deeper to even uncover. That's a big question. And 
when you asked it, I think of, I thought of the tarot deck and the, the, symboli- the symbolism of how the major arcana are set up as kind of the journey um, of human consciousness from the fool, which is card zero, to the world, which is card 21. And they're set up in three layers, um, the card. So the fool rests at the top as infinite potentiality. And then there's three layers of seven cards, the first layer, the second layer, and the third layer, which is also very synonymous with David Data's work, who, as you know, I, I work closely with and who has developed this concept of the three stages. And I also find that to be very similar. And you'll find, you know, all throughout spiritual texts and philosophy, you'll find so many threads of continuity. So I'll, I'll put that to the side for now. But the f- yeah, <laughs> circle back. <laughs> so the, f- the first layer of the tarot deck is all about the journey of the world that we were born into, like the paradigm we were given. And I mentioned this as part of my own healing process of, you know, I was, we were all born into a paradigm, the paradigm of our family, the paradigm of our culture. And that is what we have to accept <laughs> to some degree to survive. So we learn how to navigate that the best we can. We can master that domain, make beauty from that domain. We can make money, our career, our whole lives. And some people never grow past that domain. They adopt the, the patterns and the beliefs their parents gave them, and they never question them. They never break out of them. They never question the paradigm of the society they live in. And we can't force someone to take that next leap. You know, whatever causes someone to go into the next domain, the next layer, stage two of cards, is, is fate or luck. or It's, it's very, I don't know what inspires or catalyzes that sometimes it's some a very traumatic event or sometimes it's just some very small thing smelling a flower or something like this and sometimes it doesn't happen at all so so the last card in that first row is the chariot and the card you know he's mastered the man who sits in his chariot has mastered his external world he's mastered this this domain of existence but in the card there's this element of rigidity like he's really holding on trying to keep it together right and so you can kind of feel the tension in someone who might be starting to have a spiritual awakening like they're like no 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 i don't want to leave this little bubble i don't i don't want to leave let me stay here and that feeling starts bubbling of like no you have to let go you have to let go it's time to evolve it's time to expand your consciousness into a new way so the next row the first card in that deck depending on which deck or philosophy you follow the first card in that deck is strength card eight right because that's what it requires to let go that's what it requires to let go of of the paradigm that you've been given and journey in to the underworld, to the depths of your darkest self and, and take that dark night of the soul. And that whole second layer is all about that journey, is all about confronting that gunk within, healing the self, healing your wounds and diving into your own darkness. And some people can stay there for a long time. That could be a very, you know, that could take years, it could take decades, it could take lifetimes to digest and process and move through that phase 
right? And then the third phase is about reintegration, about reascending back into the world with that deep knowledge and that deep wisdom and learning how to take those gems that you've received from this deep world that only you know. It's so hard to put language to it, which is why when you asked about my spiritual journey, I was like, oh my God, like there's just so much there. It's hard to, when I put words on it, it kind of dilutes the depth of the internal experience that I was having at the time of my, my, my dark night of the soul, you know? So bring that back into the world and into offer what you've learned as your gift to the world. That is the third phase, the third stage in David Data's language is offering your deepest gift to the world. And that last card is the world. And that's what it represents is that complete integration of self. Yeah. So I love using that as an example. Yeah, thank you for that beautiful analogy. I've actually never heard anyone describe it like that. And I think that it makes the most sense. And I, and then it goes back to we all have free will. And it's really our choice, what we want to dive into and what layers. But to know that people are afraid of feeling the darkness, people are afraid of feeling that depression of that everything. But it, it really is what um, what reaches, you know, or allows you to ascend and and become an this light to come in um so yeah thank you you're welcome and i think to answer your question of you know what do you tell people who are afraid to take that leap is you know ask them the question what is what is your soul here to give and are you giving that now and when one can really sit and digest on that question and feel am i living my soul's truth and my soul's purpose and and listen to what their body and their wisdom is telling them because as much as they try to resist it there'll be a little voice in there telling you the truth <laughs> like Mm-mm, you aren't and follow that thread follow the voice of your deep intuition as deep as it may be <laughs> and as a foreign language it may speaking that is the path to your evolution is that voice. It's your guide. It's your own unique guide. No one else can tell you what to do and what you need on your path. You can have guidance from others, but only you know what you are meant to give to this world. And that voice is that guide. So cultivate a relationship with that voice. Yeah. And I, and I think that that, because I, I know that a lot of people don't have this deep self-realization or that they, you know, when someone asks the question, they, they don't know, or they deflect, or they think that they know the answer. And what would you say then the difference between the analytical thoughts and then really going down into the emotion of what is actually being felt? What would you say that difference is? Well, the difference is where you're placing your awareness. And if, if I were working with someone in, in that space, I would invite them to just drop all their attention into their belly. And maybe they could put their hand on their belly just to feel it. For some people, it's hard to put awareness on the inside of the body. So at first, I would just invite them to drop all their awareness into their belly, feel their breath in their belly, feel their hand on their belly, notice the sensations in their belly. And then Start giving names to what's there. Ooh, I feel tingling here. Or mm, I feel a little ache in the left side of my belly. Just 
pointing out the physical sensations and then moving deeper into more emotional sensations like oh I feel some anxiety (sighs) and then I'd invite them to breathe into that and usually beneath all that tension beneath all that stuff that we're not feeling is where that intuition is lying so for me it starts in the body the journey starts in the body yeah I think yeah and I and I can tell everyone firsthand that that's what Nina did with me. And it, it really changed things up for me <laughs> to really open up. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I recommend it to, to anyone. So, um, so I want to talk about masculine and feminine energy and because this is such an exciting topic and we can talk, probably talk about this for days, <laughs> but for anyone that doesn't, for anyone that doesn't know, can you give us, um, your rendition of what the difference between what is feminine energy and masculine energy and you know does it how how does it work Mm -hmm. well first what i want to say what it's not and masculine and feminine energy has absolutely nothing to do with one's gender and i just want to the way i use the terms has nothing to do with gender so masculine and feminine are primordial energies that live within each human and live within all of existence. So that's the main gist of it. And the way I've learned this, and I I imagine there's different interpretations of what masculine and feminine is from different schools of thought, but the way I've learned it, the masculine is the part of reality that is consciousness. So the part of you right now that is aware of me talking, aware of your breath, that is witnessing the world around you, It's the unchanging I that never changes from when you're born to when you die. There's just this thread of consciousness that is eternal and changeless. And that is the part of all of us, the part of existence, the part of animals, and that is the masculine. Consciousness is the masculine. The feminine is experience. The feminine is everything that consciousness is witnessing. So your body, your feelings, the world around you, your thoughts, your senses, um, nature and the elements and all energy and all matter. Anything you can perceive and experience is the feminine. So, and and to put that all into one word, I would say that is love energy. The feminine is love, the vibration, the stuff of life. And she is ever changing, infinitely changing. She's not the same from one moment to the next. She's like nature, you know, like the sun and the clouds and the volcanoes and the wind and the hurricanes. It's just constant life abundance, growing, evolving, changing, that is all the feminine. So you can feel that in your own body, the part of you that is blood and pulse and bones and muscle and feeling, that is your feminine. And so why would you say that there are some people that say that the masculine is more about the direction and purpose and that aspect versus the feminine? Well, consciousness is what gives life direction. Life is evolving towards something, but without consciousness, it would just be complete chaos. (laughs) So consciousness directs energy. 
towards something and that's in ourselves like if we have a lot of energy we can direct it towards our purpose towards our career towards a goal right so in like a very easy <laughs> understanding the ocean is like the feminine this wild force that's uncontrollable and the ship is the masculine steering the ocean to get from point a to point b navigating the ocean he, the feminine is so powerful like in one crush the ocean could just smash the ship so the masculine has to navigate the ship has to navigate the ocean with sensitivity to her right and then that goes into a whole you know to to speak of our overculture and the suppression of the feminine the the that is just systemic in our culture and has been um, ongoing for thousands of years, the masculine's attempt to control the feminine, the masculine in all of us <laughs> tries to control chaos. Chaos is scary. Chaos is scary. It's scary to kind of submit to that power and to learn to flow with it and to feel it so deeply. I think at some point in history, the masculine in all of us started feeling overwhelmed by that energy. Say, well, I need to learn how to control this. And so we developed agriculture, the very start of it. <laughs> and we, you know, agriculture, like, okay, let me control the elements a little. Let me control how I grow food. Okay, agriculture develops. And then that turns into society and now it's just like air conditioning and packaged food and the way we treat women and, you know, just suppression of the feminine in, in so many dimensions. Um, and how and when that started and why is a whole nother 10 podcast discussions. But, you know, <laughs> a lot of the work that I do is around um, restoring and reviving the feminine within all of us because just within our own cells, we've repressed her. We've diminished her. We've considered her less than our emotions, our feelings, our vulnerability, our, the, our capacity to tend to life and to have compassion and to love. Those are feminine qualities that have been very much diminished in our culture. We don't cherish those qualities as much as masculine ones, the capacity to slice through reality and get to the end goal and to create structure and money and these sorts of things right so yeah i mean in the in today's society we only cherish productivity goals goal setting you know how much are we doing how you know and then and people are attaching their sense of fulfillment and their sense of self with this and then they discover that it actually doesn't bring this fulfillment because there's a disbalance and that disbalance is, is it's, it's us not honoring our own feminine energy and needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how would you say then, because d does it live in both women and men? So how do, how do the, how do the energies, you know, cause you, of course you explain that they're both, um, in, in everyone and it's just energy. So why would you say that the majority of, of men, you know, uh, identify with that versus women that identify with the feminine? Mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't know why a lot of men identify with the masculine and a lot of women identify with the feminine, but it certainly isn't every man and woman and other genders. You know, every being can identify more with one or the other. So once you shed all the programming and patternings and conditionings of our internalized suppression of the feminine, like once we can really embrace both aspects of ourselves, then we can come back and really feel where do I feel most at home? And there's different dimensions to this as David Data teaches. There's the spiritual, physical, emotional, mental. So there's all of those different domains in which we can, in which we can identify more the masculine or the feminine. So just on a spiritual level, for example, as I mentioned, the, the forces of the masculine and feminine energy, someone who identifies with the masculine spiritually will feel at home in nothingness will feel at home in spacious consciousness so masculine spiritual practice uh, traditional ones would consist of like zen meditation is a very masculine um, spiritual practice where you rest in consciousness as consciousness and so and that's a bliss for people who identify more with the masculine so for the feminine and this is you know, the revival of this feminine spiritual experience that is happening. The feminine feels at home in the love pulse of life. So her spiritual connection with the divine is found through through life, through dance and intimacy and connection with nature and through mothering and being engaged with life and singing and all of these things are, are, are the feminine's way of connecting with the divine and she'll feel at home in a spiritual practice such as those dance and movement and intimacy and these sorts of things and of course we might enjoy both of them as well so some people more are in the middle yeah, I, I, because I, I and, and to this day, I, I don't, I can't fully sit and, and meditate and, and I've tried with different Buddhist practice and it, and I feel the most connected spiritually when I, when I do, when I dance and when I sing and, and do these practices. So what, what does a, a, a feminine embodiment practice look like for you? Well, there's different layers to it. Um, and I think the most important layer is whatever embodiment practice you're doing, that it's coming from the inside out and not the outside in. So there's a way to dance that is very surfacey, you know, waving your body around and feeling the space around you and just shaking and moving without much connection to the inner world. And that is certainly a healing wonderful thing to do. But for me, feminine practice is about feeling the pulse of love within your body, the pulse of sexuality, of energy alive in your spine, in your, in your womb, in your heart, and pulsing through your entire being and moving that through your body, through dance and through song. So it has a deep connection to the love within feminine embodiment practice. And that's how I teach it. And that's how I guide it. But certainly any embodiment practice is wonderful to do. 
course, of course. And and in a lot of your pop-up classes, you talk about the importance of having um, a sacred feminine practice for those who deeply identify with the feminine. Um, and why why is that so important right now for, for anyone to, to start looking into? So if you want to connect more with your feminine essence, there's a lot of deconditioning the body has to go through in order to not just connect with that part of yourself, but to move that, that love life energy through your body in a way that's unconstricted. The body has developed years and years of trauma, um, of patterning and conditioning around remaining closed and hardened because feminine energy has been so suppressed in our culture and demonized and weaponized like the expression of feminine sexuality you know just we can see in religious texts for example is evil to the masculine who can't deal with that chaos the chaos of a a woman erotically alive right so as women really quick because i was because i i had this thought before and i think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that we the masculine trying to control the chaos is going back to us wanting to control and us not wanting to fully surrender to what life brings us. And, and, and I know in our society, there's so many issues around gripping and controlling and suppressing. Um, so I just wanted to add that. Yeah, that's great. So feel how we've done that to ourselves first and foremost, like controlled and suppressed our own feminine expression really to protect ourselves all throughout our lives. I, in my experience and so many women I talk to and work with from a very young age, they were receiving mm, unconscious sexual attention because they were so in their erotic, innocent joy as young beings, as young women growing through puberty, that they attracted toxic masculine attention, let's say. Unconscious is what I mean by toxic. And that just wanted to take, take, take without sensitivity to that precious vital life force energy moving through her. And so she learned to close that up. We've learned to close our bodies, to shut down that vital life force and to harden our bodies around it and to be more masculine so that we can survive in the world. So just to connect with that part of ourselves takes time to, to really feel that, that pulse flowing through us and then to allow it to be expressed through our bodies, melting away that hardening so that our sexual energy, our life force energy can shine through our eyes and our, our lips and our breasts and our arms and, and we can gift the energy out to the world unencumbered. And that takes a lot of time and practice. It takes a daily practice, just like doing a, a yoga asana practice if you've never done splits before, it'll take time and practice every day to keep stretching those muscles so that you can be in a split. And it's the same way with this feminine embodiment practice to allow the body to express that love life force energy and to melt away those patterns of hardening that we've developed. It takes time. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to the the difference between it regardless of gender it's um because they're for example men that highly identify with their masculine let's say how important it is is it for them to also in, engage in this type of work and then and as well as vice versa 
Well, it, it's important that all of us cultivate a healthy masculine and feminine. It's imp- so that we can each be sovereign beings with a full life force capacity connected with our pleasure and our love and our beingness and also the capacity to live a purposeful life and to provide structure for ourselves to to have a career and to make money you know these sorts of capacities are necessary so to cultivate both of those into one human being creates a very sovereign independent full uh, fully expressed human you know and it's very important that we all do that some of us might it might be easier in one domain than another so some people might have a very healthily developed feminine but no masculine development at all so if that was the case i would encourage that person to take little steps every day to start building structure in their lives and it might might not be joyful for them <laughs> it, it might feel like not fun but it's important to cultivate those skills so that they can be independent beings and same with someone who's highly has developed highly masculine skills and it, i would encourage them to take time every day to drop into their bodies to to experience pleasure to make themselves a nourishing meal to feel their feelings and then they would be a fully integrated being. I love that. And how how does it work in the dynamics? I know you talk a lot about polarity between the feminine and the masculine in a in a romantic context. How does that play out? It's a big question. <laughs> on an intimate level, on a romantic context, how how would it play out? Sexually speaking, Polarity is happening all the time, whether we're conscious of it or not. And we see this. So I'm going to use David Data's language. And if you're listening, I highly recommend looking into his work because he's developed a lot of this work around masculine and feminine and polarity. So these three stages that I mentioned with the tarot, first stage polarity with feminine and masculine energy would look very much like we see like on reality TV shows or in the media or just the general structure of our kind of unhealthy culture where there's maybe a really hot model babe with, you know, huge breasts and just very surface shine, very surface shine. She might not be connected to her inner pulse of love light, but she's very radiant on the outside. That surface shine would attract attention, would attract attention consciousness which is the masculine so surface shine is the feminine attention consciousness is the masculine and that 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 the level of shine she's radiating from that surface level would attract an equally surface level attention so someone whose consciousness is maybe um not as deep as a, a buddhist monk but maybe he's very good at making a lot of money for example he's learned how to use his masculine capacities to be very successful in certain domains so his money aka his consciousness attracts her surface radiance and that would be like a very first stage polarity relationship between the masculine and feminine and then in the second stage you grow out of that so the surface shine woman grows into starts developing her masculine capacities well I don't want to just be recognized for my surface shine I want to be recognized for my intellect so she starts becoming more equal in herself just like I've talked about being sovereign beings she starts to develop her masculine depth and starts diminishing down her 
feminine radiance so that she can be appreciated for other qualities. And likewise, the, the rich surface man would start deepening his feminine capacities and and kind of dim down his intense surface masculinity and start embracing these more feminine qualities of himself um but it, in that second stage there's not a lot of polarity because both people have become rather neutralized right so in the third stage they grow out of that they say well we can have a really nice relationship where we're both equal in the second stage and that's really loving and really nice, but that feeling of like hot, passionate sex, like the feeling of being claimed and being desired and ravishing one another, I miss that. Like in the first stage, you have that, but it's kind of toxic, right? It's unhealthy. It could be abusive, right? If you think of like the, you know, the, the example David often uses is like the 1950s housewife with like the bread winning husband. That is a very polarized relationship of feminine and masculine energies, but it's unhealthy. They're, they're not, um, they're, they're living in their first stage in their patterns, right? So in the third stage, they're like, oh, I'm really missing that. I want to grow into that. How can I do that in a way that is deeply embodied and connected to something bigger than myself? And the way you, you embody polarity in that domain is by fully embodying these aspects of consciousness and love on a deep level like i was saying the feminine practice i teach is about radiating love through the erotic body so that that shines through our bodies that it's felt through our bodies that depth of love not just surface shine but a depth of love radiating out through our bodies so in a third stage polarity practice the feminine practitioner would choose to embody that deep expression of love and the masculine practitioner would choose to embody his deepest expression of consciousness and what that looks like is one partner fully in her body and i'm using her but it could be any pronoun fully in her body fully in the pleasure fully in the bliss of being alive in a body and the masculine lover is deeply witnessing her in that holding the space the container for her, her fullness to be liberated and that is the dance of deep spiritual intimacy it's not just surface sex it's not just mm, this is nice happy equal sex like that's missing passion it's divine sex it's divine love it's divine polarity so the feminine in all of us is aroused by being witnessed our light like when we're embodying our shine when we're embodying our light we like that to be seen and that's what is uh, erotically a turn-on for the feminine is just being seen as the the radiance we are no matter what stage first or third stage we like to be seen that's why feminine people love dressing up and wearing makeup and jewelry and because it's a reflection of that radiance that she feels she knows that she is and that radiance yearns to be seen yearns to be seen and yearns to be witnessed and that witness is the masculine so there's nothing more blissful for a feminine identified being sexually speaking to just surrender and let go and be deeply witnessed all levels of her heart and soul just deeply witnessed all her vulnerability fully revealed and to be held and cherished in that and for the masculine there's nothing more erotic and nothing more exciting than to witness that opening to witness that blossoming and to witness that radiance and and yeah gosh <laughs>
I could keep going. I could just go off into a whole, <laughs> I could go off into a whole divine erotic n- novel right now, but I'll take a pause. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing. We will, we will do just a whole podcast episode on justice. Cause it's, it's fascinating. Cause it makes, there's so many layers of, uh, of thinking about, uh, you know, sex and like, oh, is this only an intimate partnership or is can, you know, can this type of sex just be with people that are not in partnership or, you, you know, it's, there's so many layers of, of asking how to lead with this ever present, you know, sexual essence as a woman, but then also at what point do, you know, because of course men are going to be so turned on and how do women or, you know, the she in, in what we're asking know at, at what point, you know, if it, if it can go uh, deeper than the surface of just the expression in the light. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the depth of love that she's radiating will attract the same depth in consciousness. So that's why I mentioned the first stage. If we're just simply interested in how we look, if all we're interested in is our surface shine, but in the inner world, we're fucked up. <laughs> like there's... We hate ourselves internally, but we put on lots of makeup and nice clothes and we look really pretty on the outside, right? But we're totally disconnected from our own inherent pleasure and our own inherent love. That's going to attract an equal level of consciousness. Someone who just is surface, likes the surface shine and who is surface consciousness. Like I mentioned, the first stage of the money, you know, hey, baby, I'll buy you a nice car if you give me your surface shine kind of thing, right? But the more we embody the depth of our love and and can learn how to radiate, that's the level of depth we'll attract in an intimate partner. Someone who can really deeply hold us and be present with us, hold our vulnerability and hold that love and cherish it. So it takes courage to show that part of ourselves in the world. And also it's important not to show it all the time because that deep, it's precious. It's precious. So, you know, I I work with a lot of women and a lot of women who are dating. And I, as, as you know, the, the practice I often invite for women who are looking for a partner, for example, is if you want to attract a deep partner, someone who's really trustable, who's really trustable, you need to be willing to reveal the vulnerability of your heart, because that is what magnifies that trustability and draws that trustability towards you. So it takes courage to show that. It takes courage to reveal that, to not guard ourselves, to, to offer our love freely, because that's not what we've been taught to do. We've been taught to play hard to get, right? But I want to break out of those games of the paradigm of game playing and say, you know, if you want to track deep spiritual intimacy with another, you need to be willing to show up as your most authentic, vulnerable self and going full circle back to the healing, <laughs> the healing crisis. And the, the, you know, it takes healing to get to that place inside of you where you feel comfortable in that vulnerability just in yourself and then to offer it to someone else. That's, it takes time and it takes work to get to that place. But that same work you put into it, it will just shower you tenfold with the level of intimacy and partnership and relationship that you're desiring. Your deep soul 
it just is desiring yeah because what i'm hearing from you is is that the instead because i think that, that a lot of women especially in today's society are are even if they're tapping into this you know erotic dance and and feminine they want to lead with their sexuality because it's what they know um but what you're saying is to actually just lead with the vulnerability and then that everything else is just a, more of a gift afterwards is that what you're saying to some degree mm-hmm I think I need you to repeat the question again. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that a lot of women, especially when they're getting um, engaged in this type of, you know, dance and movement and, and they're so comfortable and they're exploring this aspect of themselves, they uh, tend to lead with their sexuality because, you know, that there's this whole thing of, you know, I just want to have sex and be a free woman. Uh, but then when they're not met with, uh, with that vulnerability, then that's when they feel ashamed, Right. I, or, or it happens to some women. And, and so, so what you're saying is to lead with the vulnerability aspect of it first before you introduce this. Well, I can't say that for everybody because I think, and I've certainly had this phase in myself, I think it's an important phase to go through to liberate ourselves sexually because a lot of us were raised very sexually suppressed. So we need to go through a period of where we just exude our sexuality and it's like i'm a liberated sexual woman i could do what i want right but eventually eventually enough of that you'll start feeling like okay <laughs> i'm not attracting the deep partnership i want or the deep intimacies i want what can i do like what and that is when i would start inviting in these practices okay okay you've woken up your sexuality but now you can start playing more and how to artfully reveal that how to artfully reveal your sexuality so that you can invoke the partnership the consciousness the lover that you really desire who can really meet you in your fullness and in your power yeah so yeah because that, that's perfect because you talk a lot about the art of invocation which i think is really beautiful can you speak more on what that looks like for someone that doesn't know. So I'm speaking from the feminine perspective here, the art of invocation, because I'm a feminine practitioner and I work with other feminine beings predominantly. I don't do a lot of work with in the masculine realm or with men. The art of invocation for feminine beings is how to artfully gift their feminine power and energy in a way that it actually invokes and brings to surface the depth and consciousness that they yearn for so it's a practice of really owning and knowing one's power as a feminine being the power we have to invoke the depth that we yearn for and masculine depth masculine attention masculine consciousness is invoked through a few things our feminine yearning our feminine embodiment in that fullness i was talking about like really rooted in in the body in our pulse of love and then yearning expressed through that like the yearning to be met i yearn to be met i yearn to feel you deeply to reveal that yearning through the body invokes attention invokes depth right and also devotion i'm devoted to the part of you that is consciousness that is the divine masculine coming through you and i will dance and move and do what i can to bring that consciousness to meet me and that consciousness comes out through the more we polarize so the deeper attention we want the more energy the more love we bring to the moment 
And that's polar. That's the polarity I was talking about. So if you're in a moment with a partner or a lover and you're like, mm, they're not giving me that depth that I want. I know they're deeper. I could feel that they have this capacity to really penetrate me with their consciousness and their gaze and really hold me deeply, but I'm not feeling it. What's needed? What can I bring to this moment to invoke that from them? Well, what, in, what invokes that consciousness you crave is all those things I just mentioned, your energy, your love expressed through yearning and devotion. Mm. And that makes me think about just vulnerability in general and how, at least for me, I know, and, and for many other women, that it, it's so scary to express ourselves vulnerably because of all of the shadow aspects of ourselves. Like we, of course, want to share the love and the, and the openness and the, and the goodness, but then when, it, when, it, when it's turned right? That's, that's the part, at least when we were working together and I was, you know, going on several dates and, and I was just like, no, like I can't reveal that I'm annoyed at what he said. Like, no way. Like I can't do that. <laughs> so how would you encourage or, um, say for women or for the feminine to be able to express that vulnerably? Is, is, is it in, in the full ownership of the power that we have? Yeah, well, it certainly takes time and it takes practice because often what I what I've witnessed is so many of us haven't actually been given deep masculine presence and attention that is deeply trustable. Very, you know, growing up as children, for example, we just don't live in a culture where any of this is really very prevalent. So when we actually do receive like utter complete attention and presence on us, it creates a freeze response sometimes we're like what do I do <laughs> like I thought I wanted to be seen and I wanted all of my heart to come out but now that I'm getting this attention that I've always been desiring I I can't show any of it what's going on right there's a freeze response so it takes time to warm up to the joy and the pleasure of being deeply witnessed and deeply seen. So the way I often encourage women to practice is with each other in, in, in classes and groups that I lead. I, we hold that space for each other. So one, one woman will be the witness while the other one expresses her, her erotic pleasure through her body or expresses her vulnerable heart and her emotions while being deeply witnessed by a woman, which it feels often safer <laughs> in some ways, you know? So then when they're with a man, you know, then th they'll have a reference point or with a lover, you know, it's easy to practice in kind of a setting where you don't really know the person and they're just witnessing you, but you don't have any ties attached to them. <laughs> they don't know your history. There's no like emotional stuff, but all of a sudden when you start having a relationship with someone, it becomes harder to really reveal those more tender parts of ourselves to some degree. So just warming up with someone in a safe container, I think is a good place to start. Just having someone, just having a fr friend and be like, just witness me as I'm in my pleasure. Just witness me as I, you know, <sighs> like am vulnerable and show with you my heart. And then you can start bringing that into your love relationships. And because you'll have a reference point of what it's like to fully open and be seen in your vulnerability. Yeah. And that also makes me think of 
just because of how I express myself and like how I'm, I'm a lover and I've always had this deep yearning, you know, just to be um, with a lover. And, and I remember just thinking to myself so many times, like, no, that's wrong. Like I'm not supposed to want have this deep desire and yearning. And when I read David's books, I was like, oh my God, he gets it. (laughs) He gets me. He, he understands. And you talk about the art of longing and how that's actually our feminine nature. So I really want, I would love for you to speak on that. So the, the, you know, the paradigm could just be shattered on that topic. Sure. Well, I mentioned this element of yearning, like when like in the art of invocation one thing that really invokes consciousness is the expression of our deep feminine yearning and i just want to relate it to a very physical sensation that i think at least all feminine identified beings or women can relate to is that when we are sexually aroused the feeling in your body like if you could feel into your pussy and just feel like when you're aroused, when you want to have a lover come into you, it's a feeling of like desiring to be filled, desiring to be entered, to be pressed into, right? And that's the feminine sexual experience is this desire to be pressed into where the masculine sexual experience is a desire to press into, (laughs) to fill. And we can all play in these sexual energies, but I say the feminine sexual experience is to be filled and there's this deep yearning it's like fill me fill me fill me so that's on a very physical sexual level on a spiritual level it's very similar like energetically this the feminine spiritual heart yearns to be filled by consciousness yearns to be known deeper than she can know herself and this is a and, and often we long for this through another through a partner i yearn for a partner who can see me deeper than i can see myself I yearn for the consciousness coming through them to, to pierce me in some way, to pierce me open into bliss. Like that's kind of, just, I don't want to be like obliterated. I just want to lose myself. Like that's the feminine spiritual heart feeling. It's hard to put into words, but I think a lot of us feminine identified beings can relate. The feeling It's just this deep yearning to experience fully, to be filled with life, with depth, with consciousness, to right and that's our longing and you know i think it's been demonized as is all these other aspects of the feminine we've been talking about that it's weak to to long that we have to be strong we we don't need anybody and on some degree that's true like i mentioned the evolution from the first stage to the second stage in, in data's work and david's work is learning how to be sovereign and but that longing is it's there all the time right? And it's okay to feel it. It doesn't mean you're less than. It doesn't mean you need anything outside of yourself. It means you live with this gaping hole in your heart that is always yearning to be filled by life and by love. And that is a beautiful, beautiful gift, right? It fills us with connection, right? When we long for something, we long for something, we're longing for oneness. We're longing for union in some way, right? It's like, I just want to feel God. I just, (sighs) and that longing in itself, if you sit with it enough and sit in the ache of that longing, the ache of that yearning long enough and feel beneath it, you'll recognize that the God that you're, the divine you're yearning for is already with you. So the yearning is a portal to God recognition. It's nothing you have to get rid of. 
And if you are uh, one of the many people <laughs> who, uh, feminine beings, who yearns for love so deeply, yearns for a partner, yearns for a lover, and when you have one, you think about them all day and you want, just know that that is not a weakness. And you don't have to hide that part of yourself. You don't have to hide that part of yourself to the one you love. It's important to not confuse that yearning with neediness. You don't need love to feel whole. You don't need n another person's attention to feel good about yourself. All of that is, is, is not fulfilling, right? But the yearning is just an open-ended yearning to connect and to be connected with the one you love. And that's beautiful and that should be shared and that should be offered as a gift. Yeah, a piece of advice that you gave me was share your love, you know, share it freely and, uh, you know, see who is able to receive it. And uh, but but not to hold back, because I know that for me, I would be like, no, this is too much. I can't, uh, you know, I'm going to come off as too as, like they're because because we're taught to play these games, you know, of of uh, no, you need to just leave them alone. And, you know, all of these things that we've, that we've learned. And I have found so much freedom in being able to just express myself freely and being like, no, like I just am a loving being. And like, that's just who I am. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it just, it feels, uh, it feels so much, but I, I definitely did come from the place of neediness before and feeling like I need, and it was all tied to my ancestral, you know, trauma wounds that I've been, that I've been working on of understanding that I don't need the that love, that external validation in order to feel complete, that I am just the love. And sometimes when I'm, when I'm feeling rejected or anything, I connect back to the thought of like, that I am the love that I seek internally in myself. And that's the ultimate practice, right? <laughs> is to always return back yeah. to the recognition that we are love. That's the ultimate feminine practice. I'd say the masculine aspect of that, and they're really two sides of the same coin, is always returning back to consciousness. And love and consciousness, language is so limited, but they are really one. They're one. They're, it's like the yin and the yang, right? It's one. So returning back to your pulse of love, when all your old patterns and all your childhood wounds are going to say, you're not loved, and they're going to arise in various ways to disrupt that, that practice you're cultivating. You know, when you least expect it, um, something will be triggered in a relationship where it will feel like love is leaving you. And that is the precise moment to breathe, to drop back into the heart, back into the belly, and feel that pulse of love within you to recognize, oh, love can't leave me. I am love. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> that was um, a really beautiful way to end our conversation. And even though I think that we could talk for hours on hours on hours, and I'm sure I'll have you... <laughs> I know time went by so fast. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I just wanted to ask you when, if someone is interested in, in this work or interested in working with you, like, please let us know all the ways that you can be contacted and, and followed. Um, well, my website is called wayofdevotion.com. And I work primarily with women who are wanting to cultivate 
deeper relationship with their feminine energy and also um, magnetize polarity and deep spiritual intimacy in their relationships. So I offer private one-on-one group, uh, private one-on-one mentorship, and I also offer um, group programs as well. And I offer spontaneous classes every now and then. But if you go to my website, we can stay in touch that way and you can contact me there. Amazing. And uh, what about Instagrams? Also a way of devotion? Instagram, um, way of devotion, all one word. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nina, for your time and for your attention and your incredible, incredible wisdom. Like I've mentioned, um, all of, all of this has fully been able to transcend my healing journey. And so, and, uh, I, I'm just so deeply, so deeply grateful for you to take the time to come on and, and share this with everyone, because I hope that anyone can take away, uh, from, from something that we, that we talked about. So you can, uh, you know, we can start healing this whole dynamic on a, on a worldwide level. So we can really be fulfilled and, and be love <laughs> and share it freely. Thank you so much for joining. If you found this podcast enlightening, please like, subscribe, share, and follow Power of Your Intuition underscore podcast on Instagram. This is available on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, and you can join my newsletter at nataliachoa.com.